one. Boom. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today's guest has a journey from London to Alaska and her dedication to helping businesses and nonprofits succeed for an engaging, uh, it makes for an engaging and informative conversation. So let's get this one started. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you. And welcome to another episode of Business Boss. Listeners and all of those in the room today, let's get ready to talk about uh, today's founder of EBO Consulting. Her journey from London to Alaska and her experience in both business and nonprofit is truly remarkable. So during our conversation today, we're going to delve into her background, her passion for business development, and how EBO Consulting has helped businesses in Alaska and beyond thrive. So stay tuned as we explore her unique path to entrepreneurship and discover the value, insight, she has to offer business owners and nonprofit organizations. So let's welcome to the show, Miss Emily Berliner. Hi, right, Emily. Welcome to the program. Hello. It's great to be here. I'm uh, very honored to have um, been asked to be on the show. So thank you. <laughs> All right, well, let's do this thing. Uh, question number one is always the obvious one. You're here to sell something, promote something, get in front of an audience for a particular reason. What is that? What do you do for a living? So um, our organization is a consulting firm or agency, whatever you'd like to call it. We are a small business um, comprised of myself and my business partner, who's also my spouse. Um, and essentially, we provide a uh, administrative and operational supports for organizations in Alaska, both nonprofit and for-profit entities. And when I say administrative and operational, it sounds kind of boring, but essentially our core services are um, like board and executive support. So when you go into like any kind of for-profit or nonprofit entity, you might have um boards and committees and executives that need guidance and um, fractional services. So we step in as fractional executives in some cases, providing that support. Um, we also form businesses and nonprofits. So say you have this great idea and you have this mission for an organization you want to start, you could come to us and we could get you all in place, get all the compliance and paperwork in place. And so it's a wide range, but we do like to stay um, kind of in tune with the trends and the needs of our, of our clients. So as things evolve, our services might change a little bit. So it's all about what we see the need to be at that moment. And that working. is what we do for a living. <laughs> nice, nice. Working with your spouse has got to be, uh, it's got to have its ups and downs, right? There's no break time, uh, but at the same time, you're with the person that you wanted to be with anyway. So it kind of works out on, on that front. Uh, let me ask you about your, your target audience. You mentioned that you're in Alaska, profit and nonprofit businesses. Are you in a particular industry or why stay or, or, or just sticking to Alaska itself or why stay in a particular spot or who are you going after specifically? 
I mean, it's a wide range. I think initially I thought I was going to stay with solely Alaska businesses um, just because I know the terrain, I know the environment. Um, but we do serve nationwide. We could serve worldwide um, because we're a remote operation. It kind of doesn't force us into one silo or the other. Um, I think why we stay in Alaska is based on family and just our history here and everything. Um, but as far as our demographic is concerned, it has really been so referral based and networked. So as we've gotten to know people and kind of put ourselves out there with different events and, you know, small business networking opportunities, we've been able to just keep our feelers out. And that has attracted a lot of referral business. And that has literally been our entire um, our entire business model thus far has been referrals and staying really well networked. So that's uh, that demographic then expands to all sorts of different industries. So you have, I mean, we have a handful of folks who are in like tree removal and snow removal industries. And we have folks in the beauty industry. Um, we have the nonprofits who cover all sorts of different missions, government or municipal corporations um, that work, you know, so we do a lot of work with the city. Um, so it's a, it's a pretty wide range, but it's really based on, I think people find out they need something, they go, oh gosh, we, you know, you should contact them because we're just, we kind of do a lot of, a, <laughs> a little of a lot, I guess, um, not really necessarily a jack, jacks of all trades, but sort of. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that administrative stuff can get really um, time consuming for a lot of the business owners that just want to work on their trade or their, their deliverable. Um, they don't necessarily want to do all that stuff, but have to do it. So finding somebody who has fractional services that can help them get that stuff done is definitely saving them a lot of time and energy that they didn't want to put into doing in the first place. They wanted oh, yeah. to get into business for that one thing that they wanted to do. Um, you have a live audience of, of a bunch of high school kids. They're about to graduate, go out into the world. Um, some of them might venture into entrepreneurship. Some of them might go into jobs, maybe go into the nonprofit space. What was your educational journey like uh, after high school to get you to a position where you are? Or maybe share a little bit about the clients that you work with and what their path was uh, to get to where they are today. Yeah, sure. Um, as far as education is concerned, I graduated in 2001 um, and then I took actually took a gap year. So I decided to travel around the globe. Um, I know that sounds kind of whimsical, but at the time it was more <laughs> affordable um, and things were just very different. Um, so, but this was just like post 9-11 too. So things were a little wild uh, globally. Um, and then in 2002, I moved to the UK um, because I had visited there in my gap year and I fell in love with the city. And I, again, just kind of on a whim, which is how I am. I see something I want and I go after it. I uh, convinced my parents to let me go to college in England. And I was over there for about five years. Um, I have an undergraduate in physical geography with a focus on climatology, which is very weird and not something that I focus on now. It was something that I thought I would have a different path with um, when I was in England. So when I finished my undergrad degree, I went to do a master's program in um, corporate real estate and finance. And the reason I did that initially is because I wanted to do environmental impact assessments for large developments. And I figured I'd get into the real estate market and that would allow me to do 
a lot of the kind of some elements of what I was doing with physical geography and tie that into my master's and then tie that into some opportunity um, in the UK. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was not able to stay in the UK. Um, I had a pretty uh, crazy experience flying back in to start my um, job. I was hired as a graduate economist with a company, a big corporation in, in London, and I was flying in and filling out my um, entry card. You know, when you fly internationally, there's like little entry cards you have to fill out. And it asks you what your occupation is. And my occupation had always been student because I was on a student visa, but I had to transition into a work visa. And it's just, there's a process involved. And so I wrote student and then I said, well, I don't want to lie. And I went student slash worker, worst Ooh. thing I could have done. Ooh. And I got detained and <laughs> was seriously <laughs> like seven hours in a room basically waiting to figure out what I was going to do, what I was going to be allowed to do, because I think the immigration person was having a bad day. Um, so I was let back in the country. I was able to finish my master's thesis and do the things. I had like 48 hours and then I came back to the States. So all of that was very whirlwind and crazy. And I was very, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had all this education. I'd spent a ton of money, a ton of money. I had a lot of student loans and I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, so I worked for my family business for a little while, which I had always worked for on and off, um, which is a, was a rental car freight business. So I jumped in there doing admin because I knew I, I knew how to do that. I'd always done odd jobs when I was younger and I also did like restaurant work. So I kind of knew how to navigate those types of roles. Um, so once I did that, I realized I needed to kind of get out of Alaska and see what else was out there. So I actually went down to San Antonio, Texas, where my dad was living at the time. And that is when I started my first serious role in nonprofit land. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that was really, you know, it's funny, my, my journey was never super hyper focused on, on business development or entrepreneurship. That evolved through being in the nonprofit sector mostly. So um, once I had that first nonprofit gig and then I came back up to Alaska eventually and did some more family business work. But once I got into Anchorage, that's when I started working for um, other nonprofit organizations and really seeing my, my own interest evolve. Um, as I was in my, my most previous role prior to starting EBO Consulting, um, I was at a this place called CISA, the Special Education Service Agency. And I had a really amazing mentor. And one day we sat down and it was about a year before I ended my uh, term at that organization. And he said, you know, you're, you're really good at what you do and other people should see what you do. Hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know what I do. And he goes, just all the things. And, you know, you can't really put a put a term to it. He said, just all the things, you know, you're, you're very this, that and the other. And so I said, well, maybe I'll maybe I'll consult one day. Maybe I'll <laughs> go off and do my own thing. And, and I did um, because he made me feel like I had something to tr truly something to offer. Um, and so it wasn't a very straightforward, like got my master's program, went straight into this. You know, I knew I wanted to start this business or I knew I had this idea and concept. It evolved through seeing what people needed. And understanding that, you know, some people needed or like I thought maybe I was going to go into like an organizational kind of thing where I could help people like physically get organized in their space and their workspace. 
And I kind of did that. I had a client early on and I was like, hey, you know, I can help you out. And it ended up being somebody who just needed a file person, somebody to literally go through files. And so you kind of go, okay, well, that's not in our purview. You know, that's not all we want to do. So then you kind of evolve into the next clientele and the next clientele, or excuse me, the next client, next client. Um, but fortunately, what happened is after I had a couple weird situations with like the filings person and then a couple of like people that didn't respond and just different challenges here, there and um, here and there, I connected with um, my now longest term client. His name's Paul Gazensky. He um, owns Paul's Tree Service. And he was just the most amazing connection because he's allowed me to not only stay in business for as long as we have really helped us sustain our business. Um, he has given me such a great, like not like a peer as a peer mentor, you know, he truly understands business, but he does it in a very organic and relaxed way. And he really emphasizes the importance of being who you are, bringing that to the table and, and, evolving that as you grow into your business. Um, and I think that he's done that really, really well. His journey was kind of straight out of college. You asked earlier about other um, clients. Um, his journey was out of college and in, he's an arborist. So he went straight into some level of arb uh, tree removal work and landscaping. Um, and then that just, again, experience, experience. And then he decided, as a lot of these folks do, to branch out on their own. And that's when he started Paul's Tree Service. And that has been um, a labor of love. Just he, he the guy works tirelessly. Um, and, you know, I mean, if I'm speaking to an audience of 30 to be graduates, um, you will work tirelessly. You will have to work tirelessly. You will have to work all the time. I'm not saying that lightly. I say that very seriously. If you want to be an entrepreneur and own your own business, the dedication, time, and energy it takes is going to be nonstop because you're always going to be thinking about it because that's your, you know, you, you, that's what you need to survive. Um, so, I mean, just something to, to think about. You, you, I, I, you have to have that mindset that it's always going to be going and going and going. And it's okay if you get to a place where you're sustainable and you don't always think about it, but it, it will be at the forefront of everything um, for as long as you kind of let it as you're growing and evolving within your business. But And so unfortunately you you're going to feel like you're never doing enough too at the same time. So uh, above yes. and beyond uh, trying to get it all done, uh, running out of time, you're not going to be able to do all the things and you're going to wonder where's time going. A lot of that uh, tends to be a lot of busy work, which is perfect for your type of business because you guys come in and fractionally help kind of sustain some of that busy work. But I mean, there's a lot there to unpack. I mean, you literally shared with us a couple case studies on like, this is, this is what life was like. You talked a little bit about being detained uh, and, and dealing with international travels, how you even got started as an entrepreneur. Uh, if you were going to give some advice to somebody who's just getting started uh, with all the experiences you've had with how life kind of took you in multiple directions and, and kind of gave you experiences that you've kind of taken piece by piece and put together into what you're doing now, what advice would you give someone getting started as an entrepreneur today? I mean, things have drastically changed from 2001 to today. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's a big question because I could give a lot of different advice and guidance um, along the way. But I think that understanding um, all the things that go into just the baseline startup of your business, not just the idea, but getting in there at the level, the boring level of um, licensing and compliance and all of that stuff after you have your base idea, I would harp on being undoing that. I, that one of the things is people go, oh, I don't, I don't need to do that right now. I just have an idea. Um, but you need that license to practice. And the minute they start selling something, they need a license in order to do that within their state. So I kind of get into the little bit of the boring admin stuff and say, you know, I would really recommend doing that. Um, but essentially, if that baseline's in place and they start getting, you know, their ducks in a row and they're able to operate, you know begin that kind of product development or whatever it is, service development phase, um, I would say be maintain passion, but be pragmatic. Um, mm. I, 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 def I know that it's, I love to be an idealist, but um, you got to kind of scale things back as needed and reevaluate a lot. You're going to reassess things all the time. You're going to think that somebody else is doing something better than you and that you need to change the way you're doing things. And, you know, it really all depends, too, on what it is that you're doing. So if you're selling a product, that may be a little bit of a longer evolution because the development and research and design that goes into that's going to be different than what I offer, which is service based. So I can do all sorts of things and change all sorts of approaches and models because it's a lot more remote and digitally uh, driven. So, I mean, it's a it's a wide range of things that I'd love to say, you know, I'd love to say just be yourself and keep working really hard and you'll, you know, you'll rise to the top. But there are so many things to take into account. Um, and I would also say as a, as a boring one, um, get your accounting in order from the get go. The number one thing you can do is get your books in order because <laughs> a lot of people, I mean, you'd be surprised, but there are so many folks that come to us who haven't looked at their books really ever and their, their shoebox receipts. And it still goes on and it's, it's pretty, uh, it's it's, yeah, I, I know I, my, my degrees in accounting, my backgrounds in taxes, and I've had shoebox clients like that for <laughs> sure come in and, you know, uh -huh. I'm supposed to solve this problem when they just kind of present, here's my year and just kind of flop it on there in front of you. Uh, it doesn't quite work out that way. You start commingling funds. It's not the way you want to grow a business for sure. Uh, speaking of big mistakes, what are some of the mistakes that you felt you've made uh, in business that maybe have shaped your opinion or your goals or your business in general? What mistakes have you made? I think uh, being way too nice um, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but probably just um, getting walked over a little bit early on. Um, I think I allowed myself to suffer from imposter syndrome too much. So I wouldn't state my case and be um, earnest when I would be negotiating with a client. And we're not harsh negotiators. We're not ever anything like that. But I would not um, put things on the line. I would be very oh, that's what you want. Sure. No worries. <laughs> Making myself way too flexible. Um, and it's okay to accommodate. Don't get me wrong. But I um, really struggled with um, taking on clients that were just abusing my time. And it was really, really, really hard to 
to find a balance. Um, and I wasn't getting paid enough and I wasn't asking enough, you know, my hourly rate, you know, so all of those things, those were the biggest mistakes I made early on was just not having that, um, and it's just the confidence, but, you know, the, and the, the backup to it, you know, having that contract that states X, Y, Z, and not just me saying it, but really backing up what it is that we're going to do um, and not, and say, you know, we're going to do it within those 50 hours and not get taken for 75 hours. And that, you know, is something that might happen if you're, again, you're service-based maybe, but, you know, it can also happen like in product development in that realm too with your sales. So it's, um, it's just a, <laughs> it, it, I, missed, I mean, other mistakes too. I, I don't know how deep I, I want to get into everything, but um, also kind of being able to find a balance between not being an employee, employee and being a consultant. And mm -hmm. a couple mistakes I made along the way was trying to be the employee and thinking that that's what they wanted me to be. Um, so that's that's kind of a difference, very unique to my situation. Um, but yeah, that was also kind of a mistake is trying to find that balance and who we are and what we represent and what we're bringing to the table. Um, yeah, it's it's unique to the consulting space because you come in, you're trying to help that that client do something successfully, and um, it's hard to get in there and kind of do it yourself because uh, you know how to do it best, and you're like, let me just do it for you. It's not really the way you want to get work done. Um, and plus being too nice at the beginning is partially, I mean, that's kind of the problem you had early on as I'm too nice. I'm helping you with too much time, but on the, on the flip side of that, uh, early entrepreneur is also kind of starving and they're willing to take on more clients than they probably can handle or the workload that they probably can handle. Cause they got to get that paycheck to pay their bills early on. Uh, but kind of growing into a, a more, mature entrepreneur, I guess, uh, going from the infancy stage to maybe that teenage stage, you start to learn to separate a couple things here and there and how to kind of adjust your calendar. Um, what do you think you're, you're really good at? Like when you, people get a referral and they're like, look, you need to go talk to Emily. You got, you guys got to go talk to these guys. They're helping you out. Why do you think you get that referral? What is it that you do best that people are like, definitely hit them up? I think that probably the number one thing is our responsiveness. Um, if somebody reaches out, we're going to respond in one way or another. There's going to be communication, and it's going to be as 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 rapid as we can make it. Um, you know, within reason. Um, I think that that's very attractive to people, and then we show that and we, we maintain that consistency through a service. So clients will experience this very responsive, dedicated team who is there all, you know, whenever they need us. And they're able to convey that to another potential client that these people will get it done. And when we say we get it done, we'll get it done. And I think that that's been, you know, our, the legacy that we continue to try to leave and the, the placement within our community is now this pretty reputable um, consulting team that, can kind of cover all these different areas within the admin and operational realm. And that has been kind of what we've pushed. Um, so I think essentially that has been our, our top thing. Um, I'm personally very, I'm not like a persuasive person, but I'm a very um, engaging and like, I, I, I want people to feel good and I want to encourage people. And I think our, my passion and my, that level of like, yeah, I want you to succeed, 
Um, I want your business to do well. I want your nonprofit to meet mission and all of those things. I think that's very attractive as well to people um, and not coming off on the negative, coming off very um, inviting and engaging has been very, very helpful. And I know those are just personality traits really. Um, but as far as like what I deliver, what I'm good at, um, I mean, it's a wide range, but I, I certainly am very strong when it comes to meeting facilitation um, and report writing. I know that sounds boring, but <laughs> a lot of uh, work that we do is extracting information and, and summarizing it for clients in different ways. And so I, I, I'm good at, at that as well, but it's, it's, it's kind of a wide range. Whereas no, my partner is, is like, oh, you know, he does a lot more, um, like remote uh, video conferencing support. So like web support and things like that. So he's down on a webcam or a uh, call right now, actually. going. So it's very, very different. And, you know, we, we definitely have our strengths between us too, which helps us kind of um, delegate different tasks with different clients, which is very helpful too. So. Yeah, but that that uh, personality type, it's definitely anytime you're working with a consultant, a coach, a mentor, those are the things that you kind of gravitate to. You got to have a great connection with the person that you're going to work with. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And then, of course, the deliverables matter. So having the organizational skills after that and implementing reporting as boring as it sounds, that's where the information is. That's what's going to take you to that next level where you can see where your cash flow is falling out. You can see where your hours are being wasted, where you can see where your resources can be adjusted because of that reporting. So it makes a, it makes a really big difference. Uh, let me ask you if, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to find out more about working with you, more about your personality type, more about the services that you offer, how can they do that? So you can visit our website, uh, eboconsultinginc.com. Um, you can also call us directly um, and, or text us if you're a texter um, and inquire about anything that we do at 907-830-6201. You can also email me um, directly at emily at eboconsultinginc.com. Um, we're also on Facebook and you can find me on LinkedIn at emily-berliner. Um, and if you go on Facebook or uh, Instagram, you can just search EBO Consulting or Emily Berliner and you should probably be able to find me. Um, but reach out anytime. And even if you just have a question, I mean, sometimes people just need a direction and we're not the type of people, I mean, even discovery sessions are free. We're not, I think that's one thing that I will, I want to harp on is um, in the early stages, especially take the time to give that little bit back. So don't charge for the discovery sessions. Don't charge for the initial consultations. Eventually you can, but I'd say I would advise against it. So that's one thing, you know, if you do call us or do you want to have 30 minutes of our time, you've got it. I can't hear you. Yeah, you're figuring yourself out to it the early on. So it makes a big difference whether you're doing it for free or, or doing the paid stuff. Over time, you're going to get better. Your time's going to become less and less available. So there's going to be a little bit of more of a value add. But at the same time, you're also generating a lot more referrals at that point. So it's okay for you to be able to do that. Uh, Emily, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, her website, scrolling across the bottom, eboconsultinginc.com, eboconsultinginc.com inc.com you can shoot her email emily at eboconsultinginc.com uh emily thank you very much for being on the show today ladies and gentlemen that's a wrap for today we'll catch you guys on the next one peace and we're out it's over go home is your business in need of marketing 
try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast, podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started today. Hey.